Welcome to a special episode of Back Pass World Cup Show Countdown because um, we've covered USA 94 as you are aware, but we missed the guest. And that guest unfortunately couldn't make it for our last show um, due to a death in his family because yeah, unforeseen un uh, circumstances, right? And what do I know? He brought along a friend and that friend is none other... <laughs> It's unbelievable this because I don't think in the rest of our World Cup countdown shows we will get a player that was actually playing in a World Cup that we was we are going to speak about. And I've got with us a player who played for the American national team at USA 94. It's Mr. Thomas Dooley. How are you doing, Thomas? How are you? Good evening. Good evening. Yes, I'm fine. Thank you. And it's an honor and a pleasure to have you on the show. And it's also thanks to this guy, Mr. Lubis Ratno, making a return to the USA 94 show. It's his personal favorite World Cup. I think it's my favorite World Cup as well. Um, Lubis, originally this show was to be just focused on you talking about jerseys, a bit about your memories, but now it's expanded. It's be is going to be more special than what we originally intended it to be so thanks a lot lubis for acting as an agent to bring thomas on the show i'm, I'm very thankful for thomas uh for replying to my message yesterday right on time right on time perfect timing yeah it's fate i would say yeah it's fated okay so let's get straight into the show now um thomas I was mentioning this in the previous episode as well when we were covering USA 94. When we talk about um, USA in as a whole at that time in 1994 when I was a 10 years old kid, um, I would think about Hollywood movies. And in Hollywood movies, we'd see different sports being played. You'd see basketball, you'd see American football, ice hockey. But we never saw football as we know it here in this part of the world or soccer as you would call it. And uh, I always found that strange at that age, you know, when I was young. Uh, why didn't we have any, um, you know, representation of soccer in Hollywood films? And then, you know, my father would say, you know, football or soccer isn't big in the US. So I'm just curious to find out from you, what was the American public's reaction to the World Cup leading up to it? Oh man, there's a, a lot of things happened in that time. I remember when I came '92 was my first game um, that you couldn't you couldn't see a lot of football fields, soccer fields uh, anywhere. Every every kid was playing on a baseball field, and it was really bad. Even so, we had 20 million kids who played soccer. 20 million kids who played, but there was no professional league, and the American national team wasn't very successful. And that changed when Bora Milotinovic brought me and uh, three other Europeans back into the national team. And we started winning games. The first tournament or big tournament we had was against Ireland, Portugal and Italy. So we won against Ireland. We tied against uh, uh, Italy and we, we lost one nothing against Portugal. So those That's are the, the U.S. Teams. Cup, right? That was the U.S. Cup, yeah, and everything started from there. Then suddenly, you know, nowadays with everything, you need to have confidence to play and to play your game. If you're afraid of the, you know, the names and all that stuff from the other team, then you cannot perform very well. So that leaded up to the to the World Cup, 
got more and more attention. And uh, and uh, when we had, there was one situation I always like to like to talk about that because I was thinking the same way because uh, we had uh, you know the police escort coming from the state from the hotel where we were staying for four or five weeks during the World Cup. I had to go to training, and it was only a 10-kilometer, 10 10-mile 10 uh, drive, but we had to go to the big freeway and the number one in uh, in uh, California. And uh, so this traffic is unbelievable, and suddenly we are coming down, down the hill from the hotel. There are like 20 basketball courts. We had the sirens on with motorcycles, with cars, with everything. And actually, nobody on the basketball field stopped when we came down with the bus with the national team players. They just started playing while they still keep kept on playing. And uh, so they stopped the freeway for us, and we drove with the bus over there. So people were upset because they had to go to work, and now they have to wait until we are coming over. So all those things. And I always, when we drove down, I said, come on, guys. It's a World Cup. It's the biggest event in the world. And we are here as a national team, and you don't recognize us just to support us. And I was really disappointed at that time. But then when we had the game against Colombia and we won against Colombia, mm. the next day, so that was actually the the first game was against Switzerland in, Switzerland, in Detroit. Yeah. And then we played in L.A. against Colombia. And that was when we arrived. And, you know, those three, four days, five days, uh, so nothing happened with the people and, and so on. And uh, when we won the game and the next morning we had to drive back to training for uh, recovery training. So we drove down the same thing. The whole basketball center was packed with people. When we came down, everyone stopped, walked onto the sideline and gave us an applause. Wow, so, nice was amazing and that's how america was and still is they they are you know they know what's going on and they recognize it you know when you are kind of successful so so Um, we would have lost who knows maybe they would say you know i don't don't care but when we won in that stage in the world cup everybody knows so and that was from year to year was getting better and better even a couple I think it was either a couple months before the World Cup or a couple months after the World Cup. We had, when we had a game, and I think it was, uh, uh, it was 95, it was a year after. We had a game in, uh, in, uh, on the East Coast in uh, uh, university, a nice, beautiful stadium. And then we were in the locker room, we played against Columbia. We were in the locker room and the guy came in from the college and he said, Hey guys, you cannot warm up onto the field uh, before, um, like ten minutes before the game. You can warm up, but we are, we can't bring any soccer balls with us. And I say, why not? Oh, because we have we have recruit. Uh, I mean, we have hundred people. Um, you know, college, college, not high school students who want to come to college, but this college is a football college. If they see the soccer ball on the field, then it would be, you know, difficult for them. And I, okay. and you know, the guy, yeah, 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 the guy worked out and we said, you know what, let's get the balls on the field and let them know that we are here because yeah. this, and then people were saying, oh, that's a bad sign. And it's like, no, it's an excellent sign. You know why? 
because now football is afraid of soccer. So before <laughs> they, they had no problem. I don't have a problem with that. But now they saw for, uh, soccer in the United States as a problem to football. Mm. And we will continue building it up. And it was fantastic. Okay. And what was the pre preparation like of the American national team heading towards USA 94? Uh, the preparation to the 94 World Cup was also was incredible because uh, we were together for one year. There were like four players. It was like uh, Ernie Stewart, uh, Roy Wagley, John Harks, and I think Tab Ramos. <clears throat> Those are the players who still played overseas. And yeah. uh, Eric Vinalda went to Germany, played overseas. Mm -hmm. But everybody yeah. else, everybody else stayed in America. They asked me, Thomas, would you like to come and help to build the team? And because my contract ended in Kaiserslautern after those five years. And I say, you know yeah. what? It would be perfect for me because I couldn't speak any English. I thought this would be fantastic oh. for me to learn English. Uh, I had okay. friends in school, obviously German, but I never had, uh, you know, connections to my American dad. So I couldn't mm. speak any English. And I said, that would be fantastic. So we pulled all the other players together. There was like 80% college players. And the rest were players who came back from overseas who played in the second, third division somewhere in the world. So and then we stayed together as a club team. Everybody got an apartment and we had training twice a day and we played 32 games in a year. Oh. 32 mm. games for the national team. I love it. You, know, you could see how, how much. And Boran Latinovich was an incredible coach. How he formed that team that everybody's on the same page. Doesn't matter if you played in the Bundesliga in England, in, in France, in Holland, or wherever you came from, or you play with the college kids. Uh, but we were all on the same page. We played the national team games all over the world, and we grew together. So, and that's why we we and I think was a key why we were successful in the World Cup too. I mean, in the mm. Wonder World Cup, but uh, we had some great results. Yeah, and that's a big improvement from four years before because at Italia 90, USA was in the World Cup, but you finished bottom of the group with zero points, no wins at all. And then from there, you know, I know each year after that, leading up to the World Cup, you had the US Cup as well organized and you invited these big nations to come and play in this tournament, right? You had, you had Italy, you just mentioned in the first year, I think you had Italy, then in subsequent years, you had Germany, you had England. Uh, play in this tournament as well so you expose yourself towards all these big uh big teams and their playing styles and and their players and i guess that helped as well when you came to the world cup of course of course it's always like that the same what i'm saying here in the philippines you know when we play we need to play against strong teams because we need to find out what we're doing wrong and how mm. we need to get better if you play against a weak team and you don't take it serious you're gonna lose or maybe you can lose, and when you lose, it looks horrible, then you're losing confidence. So no, if you want to really, you know, want to find out where we need to grow, you need to play against better teams. And then maybe sometimes you lose, and uh, but sometimes you might win, and then you win, you get even more confidence. So it's a, it's, it's kind of a circle like that. And and uh, Bora didn't, like I said, did an excellent job. He, we traveled around the world. We played everywhere. We played against all kinds of countries and strong countries. And uh, and that helped us a lot. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So just to share with our listeners, Thomas is currently based in this part of the world, in Southeast Asia. He's 
the head coach of the Philippines national team. And it's right that you were born in Germany. Is that right? Yes, born in Germany. Uh, yeah. So you, so he's born in Germany. That's why he didn't know how to speak English until he was staying in, in the US. So that explains that. Okay, Lubis, yourself, you are in Singapore during USA 94. What are your memories of the World Cup? Uh, well, USA 94 was uh, my favorite World Cup, as, uh, as you know. Um, yeah. I only started um, watching football in, uh, during Italia 90. That's when I got yeah. to know about the US national team. And, uh, but I've been reading about them way before. I've been reading about uh, football uh, and, 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 and the US national team since before. So I knew that they actually have history uh, with the, I think in the East Coast, uh, they have history with, uh, they have players or uh, they have a strong heritage in St. Louis. And then I also uh, read about uh, the indoor indoor soccer scene where Pele and Franz Beckenbauer were playing for some of the big clubs in the 70s, I'm not, not mistaken. Yeah, so, George Best, Johan Cruyff as well. Yeah, big names, big names. So um, I'm inspired by all this. So I, I've kind of I've kind of followed US football for some time uh, before USA 94. And then so it was uh, for me like a, it was a very big moment, even though I, I'm not American. But I feel I feel for them because like mm -hmm. it feels like uh, wow from from a nothing and you are now here, wow seriously and I love the part where uh, they inducted players from uh, from Europe I love that I love that so much and this that's what's happening in the Philippines as well right now mm -hmm. yeah okay Lubis but which country were you supporting in this World Cup uh, USA ninety four uh, USA and then uh, well uh, I've after 1990, I started to support the Netherlands. Okay. Uh -huh. so I like I like attacking football. So I like the way they play, defend together, offense together, and that like yeah, total football. All right, cool. Thanks for sharing that, Lubis. Um, uh, for myself as well, I think just just to repeat whatever I shared. Um, I was 10 years old during this World Cup, so it was the first ever World Cup I watched, and um, I got to know about the American national team through. This card's called Upper Deck Cards. I'm not sure if you, you guys know about it, but there's, there used to be these Upper Deck Cards that I used to buy after school. And that's how I got the, you know, got to know of all the players, not just the American players, but players from the other countries as well. For me, like got, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah but this was, yeah. this was just cards. Yeah. So that's how I got to know about them. And I did watch quite a number of their matches because they were at friendly timings for us. It was at probably kickoff here was about 7.30-ish, 7 a.m. So some of the matches I did catch, I caught that match against Colombia because Colombia quite created quite a stir in the qualifiers, beating Argentina 5-0. So I wanted to see what they were all about. And of course, the U.S. national team were an underdog who was thrilling. That win was thrilling. Um, and then there's that unfortunate own goal as well, Andres Escobar. It was in that game, I think, yeah. And uh, I remember as well, the game against Switzerland was the first ever World Cup match played in an indoor stadium, you know, fully sheltered, fully uh, covered. Okay, um, Thomas, you spoke, or you've already started a bit on the journey of the American national team in this World Cup. Can you share, us, share with us a bit more 
on uh let's start from the first game against Switzerland. Heading into that match, nerves. Were you guys nervous? I mean, it was of course you if you're not nervous and uh, you know you don't take it serious, I think yeah. uh, most of the like 95% of the players are uh, getting nervous before the game because you don't know what happened and uh, you visualize a lot and you prepare, I mean, for weeks and months uh, for that moment, and then you just hope that you are not making that big mistake. And uh, I remember when we went to uh, to play indoor, and uh, I remember when uh, <laughs> when we went there that uh, they had no aircon in the in the uh, in that wow. stadium, door. Yeah. and they had those huge, I mean, huge, yeah, like two, three meters uh, 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 diameters of uh, ventilators so they had like okay. six or eight of those ventilators on the on the corners in the on the bottom of the um of the the, the, the stadium and uh, bora went there and he said we need to turn two or three off and because uh, that would maybe hinder switzerland you know to get to the best performance because they are europeans and the humidity in Detroit, you know, in the summertime is uh, is that we are not used to. And I just mm-hmm. laughed and I said, and I not really laughed, but I said, boy, that's crazy. I'm from Europe too. I It's like playing in a sauna. And it was like that. It was unbelievable feeling. In that. And, uh, and I remember when you talk to the people, the fans that we had, friends and family we had, and we asked them, hey, how was uh, you know the noise and because we as players you don't get that you be so focused on the square and on the players and on the game that you are not realizing really what's happening around you and i say how was it how was the atmosphere was it great how, from you know and they said uh, atmosphere oh, why not i'll be wearing this in the suite inside in the in the cool suite because i'm not sitting outside in that humidity oh. give me a break and we had to play so those were the, was in the beginning in the in the first game it was horrible. I mean it was just for you to play. It was uh, it was amazing. Like you really play in a sauna. And then uh, obviously the second game against Colombia was uh, was a great game for us. I mean we we really uh, we we beat them in, in, in not in everything, but uh, it could go either way. It could be Colombia could have won against us. We could have won against them. That was also okay. Um, I mean, uh, overall, it's uh, the the sad part is, of course, what the outcome is with Andre Oscarpa. You know that he got uh, got killed after the game uh, a couple yeah. of weeks later when he came back home. <clears throat> so that's the saddest part on, on that tournament for us. Was obviously was the biggest success to beat Colombia at home, at twenty thousand, at five thousand people in LA. <clears throat> it was fantastic. And then the third game against Romania, we lost only one nothing. It could be easily a tie also. If it would be a tie, if we would have tied the game, we would have played against Argentina. Now we had to oh, play yes. against so Brazil. we would have played against Argentina. And Argentina, Maradona was uh, just that weekend was like uh, because drug testing they found out and he was suspended. So now Argentina yeah. would have played without uh, Maradona, but we had to play against uh, Brazil on Fourth of July and we we lost one nothing. So and we lost also Tab Ramos after you know 35 minutes or so he broke his cheekbone with his yeah. foul. Yeah. Uh, Leonardo. Leonardo. Yeah. So and that's you know that was uh, the memories that we had or I had from 
<clears throat> from the tournament, but the, the everything, you know, everything from the training, from uh, the uh, the hotel experience in the hotel, um, from the fans that we met after the game, uh, the people that we met in after the game in the VIP room, you know, actors and uh, movie stars and and uh, uh, all those things. It was, it was amazing. And then uh, after that, I also want to see a couple more games. And I went to the game in Dallas um, with uh, Holland against Brazil. And obviously, I of course, I went to the final also, Brazil against Italy. Okay. It was great. I loved, um, I loved that come too. All right. Were you surprised? Were, were your, you and your teammates surprised to see um, the stadiums full? All the, all the games that you've played in, no single stadium, I think, was empty. You know, you were fully supported by the Americans. Were you surprised by the support that you received? Yeah, I mean, we, I wasn't surprised that they will be sold out because it's not just an event for the Americans, it's an event for the world. Mm. And they're coming mm. from everywhere. I mean, who doesn't want to come to America and want to, you know, have a little bit of vacation and watching a couple uh, World yeah. Cup games? The stadiums yeah. are incredible. I mean, they're beautiful stadiums. And, yeah. um, you know, at that time, obviously, they were one of the best because it was all football stadiums mm. in the world. And uh, so now, obviously, it has growing and the stadiums are even more and more uh, uh, fantastic and, and outstanding. Uh, but it wasn't a surprise. And we could see, yeah, I remember the first time when we played against Mexico, <clears throat> we had like uh, also 9,500,000 people in LA, but it was like, 80,000 Mexicans and 10,000 Americans. But we changed it very quickly. We had the game, we had a friendly game. The last friendly game was against uh, Mexico, also in LA. And again, all the games against Mexico are sold out. There was also 100,000 people there, but it was like half and half. So oh, that's yeah. how it could switch, that you really have more uh, American fans. And... Uh, you know that was our key to get the kids who played, and when we started, that those kids who play football in the youth, if they are getting older and having kids and stick with football, then the older guys, basketball, American football, and hockey, grandpa dying, and then the, youth, the new generation comes up, and that's what we have now. When you look at uh, the any World Cup, the streets in the U.S. are packed with people with fans watching it on TV and all that stuff. It's amazing how that has changed. And, yep. and it was it's fantastic. And the other takeaway we got, even while watching so far away in Singapore, I think uh, Lubis might agree, is the heat in the stadium in when the matches were being played. It felt incredibly hot. Uh, yeah. How hot was it? How tough was it, the conditions for players? Was, and also you know, something to take note of back then they were only allowed to make two substitutions there was no water yeah, break they didn't have any water no break water nothing break. yeah we had so two I mean, substitutions we had a, we had amazing water, we had a water break we had they, okay. they had changed it during that world cup they changed it because uh obviously in uh, in detroit it wasn't the heat it was just the humidity that was a killer but then when we played in uh, in San Francisco and in the first two games or the yeah, the first two games on the east on the west coast in in LA was against Colombia against Romania and then in against uh, Brazil in San Francisco 
the the West Coast is totally different. It's hot, but no humidity, so it's just hot. So when we played in uh, in LA, it was like 115, 118 degrees. Uh, I think, or maybe even 120 degrees on the field. And they had once they had like a little uh, like a measurement that they showed on TV how hot it okay. was, uh, and it was really it was it was just hot. So it's not like it's maybe when you go in in uh, in Dubai in the summer, and mm, you go you okay. walk you walk outside you feel how hot it is on your on your skin, mm. but it's not like the you can, you still can breathe in the in the humidity. It's very difficult to breathe because everything is so yeah. wet. And that mm. makes it makes it easier to play in the heat. If you can cool and drink a lot, it's mm. actually it's possible to to cover everything. So we had okay. in, L- in LA against uh, uh, Colombia and against uh, Romania. That's when they started uh, uh, having a, a break, a short water break when we go out and, and waters. Okay. The the last question on your journey in the World Cup, the last game that you played against Brazil which turned out to be the eventual champions. You ran them close. It was uh, Independence Day in, in America, and you ran them close. So how difficult was it playing against the Brazilians? And do you think maybe you could have even uh, upset the odds and beaten them? I mean, it is, it is hard. Uh, I mean, Brazil... They didn't just win the World Cup because out of luck. They are at that time, they were absolutely you know the the best teams in in, in the world. And for us um, to play against them, look, we we had after 30 minutes or 35, we played 11 against 10. So Brazil played yeah. only with 10 players, and still it was very very difficult because they were just better you know they have players who had 10,000 hours more on the on a soccer field than our 80% 70% of the players who played in college mm-hmm. you know they you know we have to consider that um, obviously the the uh, the touches that they have was 30% better uh, the passing you know was 30% better everything was they ran a little bit more than we did. They uh, ran like in the right position at the right time. The timing was everything. Decision making. You know, if you have something like this and you play against team like that, the odds are very minimum. But anything is possible. So, you know, I had a chance if that ball would have gone in. Um, then who knows what's happening? We would have led yeah. for nothing. When you look at the goal that they scored. Um, yeah. Also, the big mistake that they made in the midfield, and then when I right try to cover that player, and I was slide tackling that the defender steps up when he has to jump over my leg, leg. So he didn't. So in the end, there are like multiple things that come into place. And if we are, you know, if we would have been supposed to win this game, we would have won it. But we were close. But it was obviously uh, they deserved to win. But for us, it would be. Just imagine on Fourth of July, the Independence Day, you beat Brazil. Yeah, I, I mean, I would be still there celebrating. <laughs> I would. <laughs> It'll be fairy tale. It'll be fairy tale. Hollywood. It'll be Hollywood script, right? It was the fifth movie in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
and uh, okay, you played. Uh, of course, in that game, you watch up close the the strike partnership of Romario and Bebeto. How good were they? Well, it's like uh, you know Romario, Bebeto. The, at that time, the two two of the best strikers in the world. It's you know they are not. Let's put it this way: like Bebeto, he's a small small guy. He's a typical typical uh, uh, Asian. A short Asian player, skinny uh, player. He has no no power like this, but he is quick and he has a good touch and he can triple and all that stuff. You know, it's if those guys, you know, there are players out there. If you give them one chance in the box, they're gonna score. If they are open, they're gonna score. There's no question about that. Nine time out of ten, they score. Our players maybe only three out of nine, but that's how you mm-hmm. never you never win games at that. So Romario are strong players, you know, the, that's a typical, also maybe a typical Asian player, small, short, but big legs and big powerful legs. So if you have the Korean and, and uh, some of the Japan, Japan Japan players, you know, big legs and, and even even in, 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 in Southeast Asia and Malaysia and in, uh, Indonesia and Singapore, you can find those players, you know, yeah. they are trained like, like, you know, like a horse. And if it comes, mm-hmm. you know, the skill that, that they have, adding to that, then obviously they are, it's incredible to play. You, can, you cannot have 90 minutes, those guys in your pocket. You get them in the pocket 80 minutes, 10 minutes, you're not right there, that's when they score. They don't need more. Yeah. Mm. All right, thanks for sharing. Lubis, I hope... It has been as insightful for you as it is for me listening to Thomas sharing the stories because it's fascinating. It's I'm different. Just, I'm, just yeah. I'm just happy uh, sitting here and staring at Thomas Dooley, man. I'm just <laughs> awestruck. I'm awestruck. What jersey do you have on? What is that? Colombia? Romania. Romania. Yeah. Romania. So that leads us to Romania. We lost against Romania. How can I, know. I know. Okay, look at it behind. That's the jersey right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lubis here is a bit of a jersey aficionado. So, the next question, Lubis, we're going to talk about the jerseys. Which were for you the best jerseys in this World Cup? Um, I've I've gone uh, online to see a lot of uh, comments from uh, other people. And uh, a lot of them say that they do not like the US jersey, this one. Okay? Hmm. But this is my favorite. This is my okay. favorite. Because of because of this jersey, okay, it started a trend for many teams, even club teams, to have grey jerseys, like uh, like Man U, for example. Yeah, this, this one. unlucky grey Man U jersey, yes. <laughs> but it's nice. I love it so much. And then, uh, yeah, and then and the, the design is um, unique. You cannot find this brave design. Bring it closer. Like, bring it closer to the camera. Yeah. Yeah, it is a it is a jeans jersey, so that's why they jeans made it look like a, like jeans coming from, from the America, and uh, ah, they, they have it like okay. like washed up jeans. It's nice. Okay, yeah. Okay, nice. that's an interesting like, one. Okay, didn't know that. Design and all that. So it's uh it's the is the uh it's nice in the details, even the mm. denim print and all that. I like mm. it, and all mm. the other jerseys like stripes. And it's diamond design is so uh, boring. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So your favorite is the American jersey. And you're not just and saying it because Thomas is here, right? 
No, 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 no. Okay. And I like the red one as well, but I can't find it. The okay. red one. I think that's the that should be the home one, I'm not mistaken. Hmm. Okay, which is your least favorite jersey? Uh wow, you know what? Uh in this World Cup, uh hmm. there were a lot of brands that do not exist now. Okay. Or, 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 or lying low now, not as popular. Mm. So uh, some of those brands are like Miter, still around, but not as popular. Rapido, I don't know what happens to them. Um, there's uh, Lotto. Lotto also have uh, gone down a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Diadora as well. Diadora was quite big in the 90s, but not anymore yeah. now. So anyway, talking about the designs, the most ugly ones would be that of uh, I think Maita, Cameroon. Hmm. Uh, Diadora Greece was like plain blue with white collar. Um, the one by Korea was nice. It was before they went red. It was, it was uh, blue, right? Was blue with some colorful design. Yeah. Yellow, yeah. red, Rapido, the, the brand. I remember. Hmm. So it was, it was nice. Uh, Lotto was boring, Netherlands. That's why I don't have the jersey quite so boring. I love Netherlands, but not the jersey. <laughs> so, okay. uh, yeah. Yeah, pretty much that's it. All right. Uh, Thomas, yourself, you have any jerseys besides your own that uh, you like, you know, aesthetically? Yeah, From the World Cup, from 94? Yeah. Yeah. Not really. I mean, mm. uh, you know, I wasn't really into into jerseys. that. One has the greatest or the best or stuff. Okay. I like the, the piece. I like that one. And now our red, red and white stripes was also not bad. So I, I, no, I, I like that. I can even, I cannot even remember what the other jerseys. Even I have them, uh, a lot of them too. Oh, you, but, you uh, did exchange jerseys, right? Of course, always, yeah. Okay, so like, um, which famous players' jerseys do you have in your collection now from that World Cup? From that World Cup, uh, I have uh, I, I have to look through it. I I, I really don't know. From Brazil, okay. Huda, I Paulo Silva. I think I thought I switched with him. All right. And then I, because I had only four, you know, and I played against Switzerland. I I can't remember who I have from Switzerland. Then I have uh, the one in uh, Colombia. Um, I don't know either who that person is. I don't know. I have okay. to. I have to. Look. I have to look. All right. All right. No. No problem. No problem. Okay, Lubis, you're a Holland friend. How did your team do in this World Cup? Uh, not very good. Uh, I think. Uh, but I. I only remember that Mark Overmars was uh the best young player. Yeah. Uh, that was yeah. That was the best thing that happened to Netherlands. But as usual, they are underachievers on a uh, on the world stage. Only one time they actually went that uh. If, um, as far as to win the whole thing, 1988, after that, nah, always underachievers. So I wasn't mm. expecting much. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but they played a very thrilling game against Brazil, lost 3 2. Uh, um, you remember that match? Uh, not really. <laughs> not really. <laughs> yeah. I only remember that Mark okay. was very good. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Thomas, you were in the stadium watching that? Which Holland one? versus Brazil. Holland versus Brazil. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I watched that. Yeah, it was yeah. amazing. How was that game? Yeah, good game. Yeah, it's a, it's amazing how they. I mean, I think I remember that Holland was leading, I guess, 
and then uh, uh, Basil came back and uh, scored a couple more goals. What was it, like four or three or something? Three two, three two. He ended three two, three, two with yeah. uh, Branco's banana kick free kick deciding the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was amazing. I mean, the, the the amazing what I what I always felt and and uh, it was that you know the fans in the stands how they are united. It was unbelievable. Mm. You could see that the Dutch people with the Brazilians, you know, staying here, uh, talking to each other, drinking to each other, hugging each other. And then when they jumped up, when they scored, the other ones, you know, was just like uh, screaming at them. But it was just fantastic. It was great. And the game was, uh, I mean, the game was very, very nice to watch. I liked that game. Mm. Attacking okay. football. Both sides. Yeah. 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 And, and the final, how was that for you? No, I watched that one. <laughs> yeah. That was heartbreaking for me because I, I support Italy and uh, Roberto Baggio is my all-time favorite player. So as a 10-year-old, waking up early in the morning and I managed to catch the penalty shootout and then see that happening. Tough tough day in school after that. I remember that game as being boring. <laughs> I was like, oh man, they can't break the deadlock or something. It was so boring. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I re-watched the entire game about a few months ago. Um, on FIFA Plus, they had they had the entire game. So I watched it again. So, yeah, I think the Heat played a big part in that game, you know. Um, I felt uh, that it was very hot. And I guess so, the teams played within themselves due to the Heat, trying not to overexert tactical. themselves. Too much tactical game in there. Yeah. yeah. Too, too tactical, yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah. When you know, like Romario, Romario was cancelled out by Baresi in the defense, and Maldini also played a part. And you know, Baggio was on one leg, so not exactly the best uh, World Cup final ever. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't it? Wasn't yeah. Yeah. So deserving winners for you, Thomas Brazil. Yeah, I think over the whole yeah. tournament, I think they deserve to win the the championship. But I, you know, mm. I can't barely remember what happened last night, and now you're talking about it 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> wow. it's, it's amazing. It's been 20 plus years now since that World Cup. It's been um, yeah. wow, many years. 28 years. Yeah, it's amazing. 28 years, and we're still around. My goodness. Yeah. And I'm here talking to you guys. Thomas yeah. Bulliard. You cannot imagine that. I cannot yeah. imagine it's, But, you know, that's the impression is left on us. And, uh, you know, that we still remember it as good as it was. Um, like, just yesterday, the games were just like, you know, like that. Um, Lubis, you want to give a shot at your USA 94 team of the tournament? Okay. Your team of the tournament. Okay, hang on. Refer to my notes. <laughs> okay. I got, this time I'm prepared. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm gonna start from the top. Okay, this is very difficult. Okay, because um, yeah. my strike force. I'm playing four three three. Okay. Okay. I have uh, three strikers, right? But okay. you know, if I could choose like ten strikers, I would, because there's like Oleg <laughs> Salenko. Come on, Oleg Salenko scored five goals in one game. Yeah. In and then there was like yeah. Al Oiran, man. Yeah. I mean, uh, but I can't pick them all, so I'm just gonna stick mm. with three strikers. Obviously, Baggio. Uh, Romario, Stoichkov, these three, front three. Uh, my midfield, also difficult. 
you know, since uh, Roy Keane was playing at the time, but he's not in my team. Okay. Okay. He's my he's my favorite midfielder, but not for this one. Okay. All right. Uh, I gotta choose Dunga over him. Mm. And uh, Haji and Brolin. Oh. Okay. Uh huh. My goalkeeper will be Proudhon. Michel, okay. Michel Proudhon. Michel Proudhon, yeah. Proudhon, yeah. So from Belgium. Uh, yeah, kind of like him, but he was only good in this tournament, if I'm not mistaken. And then I'm I'm deliberately leaving the defense for last, okay? <laughs> because someone is playing uh, in defense at that time. So anyway, uh, I'm gonna start with uh, Jorginho, fullback for Brazil. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Maldini, uh, left back. Mm. Uh, Santos, Ma Ma Mauricio Marcio Santos. Santos. Marcio, Marcio Santos. Marcio, Marcio Santos. Mm. Yeah. Was uh, kind of steady. And of course, Thomas Dooley, I cannot say no to that. Okay. So I decided my 4 3 3. All right. Okay. All right. Thanks. Thanks for sharing, Lubis. Thomas, no, do you want to give a shot at this? Um, naming your all time World Cup. Or rather, the World Cup '94 team of the tournament. You want to give a shot? Yeah, sure. Um, goal is Tony Tony Miola. Then we have uh, uh, Fernando Clavio on the right side, Lala Spalboa in the center, uh, Harks on the left side, Claudia Reyna, Thomas Cooley, and Pat Ramos in the middle. All and then front, we have Wigley, Vinalda, and Ernie Stewart. All American. All right. That's the American <laughs> team, yes. <laughs> Tony Miola okay. was pretty good at the time. Yeah, Tony Miola. Tony yeah. Miola How was he as a captain, Thomas? He was a good, great leader. He was very, he's a very nice guy, very nice. Any, everybody, in, you know, that's when, you know, in the end, that was a fantastic team. We were like a unit. We worked together. We lived together. Everybody was a leader, and Tony Miola was uh, the captain of it. And uh, you know, very nice person, very honest and loyal. And it was just—it's amazing. It, it made so much fun to work with them on a daily basis, twice a day, and traveling around the world. And we blew everything up four years later. Everything was opposite. But that World Cup '94 was absolutely uh, one of the best team community, best uh, best unity uh, collective team that I've ever played with. It was unbelievable. Mm. Yes. Nice. And I remember Tony Miola had this slick hairdo. Yeah, with ponytail. Yeah, and he's he's actually a uh, Italian, right, by heritage. Yeah, Tony Miola. Yeah, Italian. He's Italian, Italian, right? By heritage. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I think he has also like a, a grandparents or somebody from Italy. Yeah. Mm, okay. Oh. Maybe maybe he was trying to emulate Roberto Baggio with his ponytail. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Okay, guys. Uh, it's been amazing speaking to you, Thomas. And as always, Lubis, great insight, great memories. Thanks no for sharing. Can I, a, can I make one? Yeah. Can I say one little thing? Just sure, if, somebody, if somebody would be interested outside from the people who are working, they should check out td5mp.com. Okay. TD, like Thomas Dooley, 5MP Mentorship Program.com is a little, little insight about uh, you know, how to become a professional soccer player. Cool. So oh, that's amazing! Yeah. Just check it out and uh, and see what it is. Okay, Thank you. okay, sure. 
All right, I'll share it in the link as well. So you can, if you're watching this on YouTube, I'll share the link. You'll find it in the description below. And if you're listening it on Spotify, you can also find it in the description. So I'll share this link for you, Thomas. Thanks a lot for speaking to us and sharing all your memories from back then. I'm not too sure if we're going to ever have any other player joining us on this show where we uh, re reminisce about World Cups from the past and as we count down to this year's World Cup. But uh, thanks a lot for taking the time to speak to us. Lubis, as usual, you know, your memories as well. And the jersey collections behind you, a lot of memories with that. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> Brilliant job, brilliant job. No Thanks and have a good night. Cheers. Thank bye -bye. you, Thomas. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank bye -bye. you. Bye bye. bye, -bye.